And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Oh, there's Josh trying to look pretty, but it ain't working. So just stop right now. It's just horrible. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weighing In Podcast. We got a lot to talk about. It's a big title fight coming up pay-per-view unfortunately you're gonna have to pay to see it but it's okay you got Aljamain Sterling the champ at Bantamweight taking on the guy coming back who let that belt go in Henry Cejudo can he get it back we're gonna talk about that all kinds of things to talk about with BKFC and all kinds of other things going on we even got some questions we might answer so what's up my man Mr. Chuck Liddell, Kempo Karate. Hey, man. Roots of Fight. They did a shirt for him uh, this long. So I like this. It's like a little, like, nice little. long ago. Yes, it is. It is. It is. I went through that sucker. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, I wear this thing, uh, you know, at least once a month, especially during the winter when it's getting cold. Um, this, um, you, 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 you do know it's May. I know. It's raining today. Especially in the winter it's when it's cold. It's not winter. It's, we're, it's 62 degrees here in San Jose, and it's <laughs> raining. It's raining cats and dogs. It's raining the next four days in a row. We have got more rain here in the last, I swear, last six months than we've gotten the last six years. It's it's nuts. So, but hey, it's good for us. Uh, the mountainsides are still green. Normally, they're you know brown, dead, and uh, ugly to look at. But now they're just, they're they're all green. It looks beautiful outside. Um, now, if we could just get rid of the homelessness, it'd be nice. But nothing you can do about <laughs> that, I guess, right now. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but uh, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about the UFC 288 man Sterling versus Cejudo. John, we were talking about this right off air and right before we came on. I said, I'm pumped for this fight. It's not even so much about the fight. I'm pumped to see Henry Cejudo back. I, I just it's just to me. He's got the wrestling, he got the Olympic gold medal, he's got two division champion. He vacated the title. He's coming back to basically claim what he believes is his and. What makes me really want to support the fact that I, and not because the Aljo and Josh Thompson beef and the Aljo and John McCarthy beef is, is real. <laughs> First off, I don't have a beef with no, him. But no, but we don't have a beef. He has one with us because of what we said oh, one okay. day. That's, that's all right. It's so sensitive. Sensitive little fella. It's so um, sensitive. But when I look at what Henry can do today by this weekend by doing this, by winning this title back, and I don't think that he's going to hang out there at 35. I really believe he's going to look at Volkanovski. I really believe that. And that, to me, it just does something to me. Like, it just, it makes me like, man, yeah, but I love Because this is what Patricio's trying to do in Bellator right now. And to see Henry do it, it is. would be would be fucking awesome to have it in, in the era that we live in. That, John, you're still born in. Like, you're still living. Like, surprisingly, you're still around. Okay? <laughs> so, that's yeah. what makes this fun. Is like, the, you have two guys... In the hardest divisions, trying to do this. Yeah, that is, and that's. But okay, so, and you know, I'm not taking anything away. Aljamain Sterling can definitely, you know, st remain the champion. Henry's good enough; he can get the championship. But if he does, and you're you're saying immediately going after Volkanovski, and you look and you go, man, look at all of the killers that are in that bantamweight mm -hmm. division. Mm -hmm. I mean. First off, could it be that Aljamain deserves a rematch? Could be. Could it be that his man, Marab, gets a title shot if Henry wins? Could be. I mean, and take a look at, you know, the guys that are in there. Look at, how about Umar? We've talked about him so many times. You know, we know how good he is. 
Take a look at what Yudong Song just did. Take a look at just that lineup at the Bantamweight division. You're going to just send your Bantamweight champion up to fight the featherweight champion right away? You sick man. No, the reason being, John, <laughs> I'm looking for legacy, man. If I'm Henry Cejudo, that was part of the deal of me coming back. If I win this title yeah. against Aljamain Sterling, you have to let me challenge Volkanovski. The style matchup, the size. I know that Volk is thicker. He's a little bit taller. He's all of those things. He's yeah. just as fast. He's be the first. Be the first time Volkanovski is actually able to look down towards his opponent. <laughs> right. But the, you take the two of them. You have one trying to chase after a legacy of being a three division champion. His legacy yeah. and creating one that no one. There's no way. There's no way you can tell me that John Jones is the better fighter than Henry Cejudo if he ends up beating Volkanovski at 145. There's no way. There's. I just don't see it. Three it's, titles. It, I I admit that it brings oh. a definite conversation about if you have a guy that's won three different titles and done it against outstanding competition. DJ. At, exactly. <laughs> Demetrius Johnson being one. You know, I mean, and when he got the 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 bantamweight was kind of open at the time, but, you know, has beaten guys like Marlon Marais beat Dominic mm -hmm. Cruz when Dominic came back to try to win that title. And then if he beat Volkanovski, I would say that he would have to be. Well, he's definitely right there. Well, he beat, so he uh, beat DJ and then he beat um, TJ Dillashaw. So those are two wins at 125. Then he goes to 35 yeah. and he beats Marais for the vacant title. And then he beats uh, Dom. Those are yeah. two legends, you know, whether it's DJ, whether it's TJ, and whether it's Dom. Those are three legends. DJ, TJ, Dom. Yeah, these, these all abbreviations of the names is killing me. Eminem. Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> that's podcast dave you guys, you guys haven't seen podcast days instagram go there check out his old eminem photos his dyed blonde hair his rap videos he's dropping bars he's doing all this stuff that's that's Ooh. podcast dave um <laughs> it's, it's pretty comical it's funny to look at uh especially because i know him now and i'm just like really this is what you were doing when really? you were younger really this is what you were doing um Wow, <laughs> he's like wow. I, th I, th I think I think we I think we all want to take some of what we did when we were and younger and go, yeah, get rid of <laughs> just it. like that doesn't belong there. Oh man, things we could show our kids would be great. Cool. Oh man, um, but it's gonna be. I look at if he's able to if Henry and I'm not even I'm not even gonna get into the the Aljo conversation in terms of him fighting Aljo right now because I know that both we're gonna break that fight down in a sec. I'm just talking about the history of Henry Cejudo, his yeah. ability. To get the takedowns, stuff the takedowns, um, stay on, the, keep it on the feet. He'll be faster on the feet. I think he's the better striker on the feet. He's all of those things. He's not the better jiu-jitsu guy though. He is not the he's no. um, and and he's not the Definitely big. Not the he's not the bigger. Guy. He's not the bigger guy. He's not the better okay. submission guy. He's not the bigger guy. He's not probably not the stronger guy. Aljo's gonna be a lot bigger. Yes, a lot bigger. Yeah, because Aljo's big mm -hmm. for one thirty-five and getting bigger all the time. And I can understand why he's thinking about moving. To featherweight because it starts to become taxing yeah. on you and so it's probably a smart move for him but he's gonna look just a lot bigger but you you said this to me you said hey well you've got marab there you've got umar there you got and i said that's a fucking another reason for me to get the hell out of here like it's like let me, yeah, it's like, let me get on to me creating something that no one's ever done me doing something me achieving something that no one else has ever done 
you know, and uh, and it's so funny because him and Patricio were training partners for a long time. They worked together for a long time. They've, they made each, they other, made better. each other better. They talk about it all the no time, about how they, they helped each other so much. Yeah, and I see the did. two of them trying to do something at the same time that no one else has ever done. And it would be yeah. really hard for me to say, and, I, and look, I've always respected John Jones, his ability. The stuff outside, that's where it gets a little shaky for everybody, I think, to like him. But his abilities, his fight IQ, all of those things, I don't think there's ever been anybody in the cage that's been as good as him in that area. But Henry Cejudo, if he ends up accomplishing this goal of beating Aljo, which he has to do first, and then he's got to go on and try to beat Volk, that right there, I mean, those two things, those are huge mountains for him to, to overcome, especially after a three-year layoff. Especially yes. after a three-year layoff. But if I was to say... Dave, Dave pull up... How old's Aljamain and how old is Henry Cejudo? I think Henry. Aljo is 33. Yeah, and Cejudo's older than that. Yeah, 35, right? I think. 36. 36. This is that age, man, where he's got to get it done. And But styles yeah. make matchups. And if I was going to pick someone yes, for him to fight, do. this is the guy that I would pick for him to fight. Maybe Marab. In, in my, my opinion, this is one of the toughest fights for Aljamain. Yeah. In the fact that he relies on his wrestling a lot to, you know, put the fight where, you know, he's the best. And that's on the ground. And this is not going to be an easy uh, ability for him to get that, you know, with just wrestling. He's going to have to lay his hands on Henry, hurt Henry, and get the takedown while he's either hurt or knock him down or any of those things. The takedown is just not going to come very uh, yep. successfully through wrestling. Yeah, I just think I think between Aljo and Marab, those would be the two easiest fights for Henry. Now, I'm not saying that he can win them. I'm saying that he has a chance to win them. But those are the easiest stylistic matchups for Henry Cejudo. The ability to stuff takedowns, the ability to get takedowns. Guys, guys, guys that go after the yeah. takedown and use the ground. Yeah. And then yeah. their stand-up, neither one of their stand-up is fantastic. It's good. It's not. It's not. It's not. Stand, it's not fantastic. Eh, Aljamain's is good. It, it's good. Aljamain's is good. Marab's is proficient. Profi that's. But my point is, is that it's not yeah. Henry's level of stand up. And Henry's stand up has gotten so much better since when he fought DJ the first time to when he fought him the second time, and he's gotten so smooth. I just want to know how much of the Henry are we going to see from three years ago? Is that guy back? Is that is that that first round going to be the ring rust? A little bit of that, you know, fight speed trying to catch up to it. I just think gotta I be. think he's surrounded himself with such top level talent. He's at such a great camp, and I also wonder he he's had so many guys go down there and females go down there and train with him. He has to consistently be getting better mentally. He's preparing himself for like this guy does this, this guy does that. He does a great little breakdown on his uh, like on his uh, Instagram and like on his other stuff. Hot box is a hot box. It was something like that. Anyways, he does like a little breakdown of some fight stuff. He's he's pretty. He obviously is very good. He understands the sport very well. But uh, the way he breaks things down is pretty damn good. And I can see him figuring out how to beat Aljo and understanding what he needs to get done. And I think he has all the abilities to do it. I'm just pumped to see him come back in the cage because he's the Olympic gold medalist, two division champion. He defended both those titles which is something that not everyone has done. And now he's looking to get this title back. And then I would like to see him fight at 145. There's a lot that's yeah, going to happen. There's, one of the things that you're saying, though, that is so true. You know, you've, you've been there when I've said we've sat down with Henry and talked, just talk fights. And he, he's a nerd. Yeah. He's a fight nerd. He's like us. And, and if he reminds you of someone coming from the wrestling world and everything, he's like Mo Law. Mm, yeah. You know? 
very similar. He breaks things down very well. He, you know, he looks at certain things. He's a fight nerd, and that's that's a good thing because he is capable of breaking mm-hmm. down his opponent and figuring out, you know, hey, here's where I think I can take advantage of him. Yeah. Here's where I think I can make him press. This is the you know the areas, and he has now come into the point of, and it's part of the his whole training thing with you know Pitbull Brothers is he controls the fight very well yeah. now. Before, early on, he pressed, 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 pressed. And that created problems at times for him. Now, he's more into, I control the fight, I let the guy come, and I take advantage of what he's trying to do. And we're going to see if it works for him. Now, stylistically in the matchup, we've talked about Henry has the ability to stop the takedowns, get the takedowns, avoid the submissions. He, he's going to have to be very slick and be very patient, not try to rush out of submission defenses. He's got to make sure he defends the submission first versus trying to strike and create damage he needs to get out of that position first and then start to defend uh or getting back to his feet that's what he's gonna have to do first if when, he, when he's fighting aljo aljo the reach the range like you said very proficient on the feet not spectacular but he has gotten a lot better since earlier in his career way better way better and look he's slick man he's slick he's also also understands now he's also at least 10 percent better because he is the champ yep. This is true. When you are the, when you are the champ, you just have that sense of swag and that confidence in you that yep. just is hard to really beat. And you know, and Cejudo coming after the coming after his three year layoff. How is he going to perform in those first two rounds? You can't afford to give up the first two rounds. You also nope. can't afford to win the first two rounds and exert so much energy. You don't have enough for rounds three, four, and five. Now, true. I don't think cardio's ever been a factor for Henry Cejudo. When you talk about him being a nerd, you talk about him and what he does in terms of his camps and his ability to break down fights. You don't become an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling unless you're that guy. Unless you're someone who is very proficient in how do you train your body, how do you keep your body intact. You look at him, right? He's not ripped. He's not shredded. He's got that body, though, that just says, hey, I've got a gas tank on him. He's barrel-chested. You know, he's got little little abs that poke out. He's no Josh Thompson abs, but he's got them there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the guy, the, he, the guy's slick He has exact Josh Thompson abs Right now, now yes. This is what Josh Thompson's abs <laughs> look like. Um, but he is, uh, he obviously has, he understands what his body can do, what his mind can do. We saw that in the Marlon Marais fight. That's the difference. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, look like that one anymore. Thing, I don't look like that. If there's one <laughs> thing that you know about Henry, first off, Henry is a competitor. Mm-hmm. He has competed at the highest level in various sports, and he will mentally put himself through torture to get to what he wants. And he's he's proven mm-hmm. that, and he's just mentally very tough individual. I uh, That's why he is who he is. I just look at it in that, when you're looking at Henry as the fighter now, you're having to deal with a guy who's very smart fight IQ wise. I do believe that in the standup, he's going to be a little bit quicker than Al Jermaine with his hands, but not much, but a little bit. The wrestling, look, there's no comparison as far as the takedown ability. The takedown ability and the takedown defense is one-sided towards Henry Cejudo. But the control on the ground, I'm going to say Aljamain Sterling. I'm going to say not only the jits, not only the submission part, but the ability to ride and ride well, Aljamain's very good at it. Very good at it. 
And Henry, although yes, an Olympic, you know, gold medalist and everything, freestyle wrestling in the Olympics, a little bit more of a takedown mm -hmm. game. And and you're not riding as much, you're not doing the same things. And Al Jermaine has maintained that throughout his, you know, MMA career coming from college. He's good at riding the hips. You can watch it. Even when he doesn't get the hooks, he <laughs> rides well. He puts pressure. He makes you carry the weight. He's very good with that. So this is all dependent upon where does the fight take place? That was my that was my question for you, and you just answered it. But just to reiterate what I, reiterate what I was going to ask you was, was how does he get it done? And I feel like he's got to get into the clinch. He's got to be sneaky about how he potentially gets to the back or to the side where he can kind of try to get one hook in. He's got to poke his head out on the side. If he's able yep. to poke his head out under like a, under like underneath one of the armpits and get to the side yep. or get Henry pressed to the fence and start wiggling in a hook, start getting to the neck, start threatening the submission, that's how he's going to end up getting this this win. But can he do that for five rounds? I mean, I don't. The, the thing he has to be very careful of, because this is one of the things I'll, I'll say flat out. Henry Sudo has the best inside trip in MMA. Mm -hmm. The best. The best I've ever seen as far as the way he Because he, he does it, even if you've got double unders, I watch him and he'll take and he moves his hips and he makes you take a step so he knows where your foot's mm -hmm. going to be. And all of a sudden, boom, it's going. And he does it so well. It is, it's, it's art when you watch it. He's got the best inside trip there is. And Al Jermaine likes to get his hooks in, you know, on double unders and everything. So he, even in that position where we all, you know, you feel strong there. It's like, yeah, someone puts over hooks. I don't care. I'm, I'm good here. You got to be careful with Henry. But does Henry want to really go into his guard? That inside trip puts you automatically right inside the guard. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And that's the question. Will Henry use it? It's a tool that he has. But is he going to use it? Because when you use an inside trip, naturally, you're going into the person's guard, which with Aljamain, that's a dangerous spot with him. Look, I'm going to be honest. I take, I really take a look at this fight, and I look at Henry's got to fight him the exact same way that Volkanovski fought Islam. The exact same way. Yeah. You know, except he's got to try to get very, the, very he's, similar. He's got to get the win. That's you know, if he was looking to make the to make legacy to to make history. He's got to get the win. And the way he, he needs to fight him exactly how Volkanovsky fought uh, Islam. Can't let the bigger guy lock his hands when he gets to the top. He's got to always have one wrist control, getting his back, scooting it away, keeping him working. Make him make him work for the yep. takedown. And when he works for the takedown, get back to the mm -hmm. feet, make him have to feel like, I, yep. I just wasted all that energy for nothing. Now I'm back. I'm back to you know, zero. Yeah. So, the, the, yeah. the difference is, is that Volk's got he's got pretty good power. It's not great power, but he's got decent power. Where he was able to land some shots on Islam and make Islam have to respect him. The other thing is that Islam cuts a ton of weight, where Aljo does as well. But we have seen him. We've seen Islam. He tends to get a little tired. I think in the fourth and fifth, he's not. He's still a great fighter in those rounds, but he does slow his pace down. And when you're fighting someone like Volk, he had to kind of keep that pace as much as he could. With yeah. with Aljo, Aljo showed in his Peter Yan fight, he was still there in the fourth and fifth, but he had a lot of control. Oh, yeah. But he was controlling. Yes. And that's that's the difference. He needs to be able to control those situations with Henry. And I just don't know if Henry is going to give him those ability, give him that ability to do that with the risk control, making him fight, always trying to keep his his hands locked, always trying to keep the hooks in. Henry's just so crafty on the in the wrestling department and defending those type of positions. Him training with John Jones when John came down to to work with him, uh, Wei Li Zhang, like he's gone through his mind 
all the things to escape these type of positions. And uh, who did he work with um, who jumped on that front headlock? Or he was talking about, it, I think, in one of his fight breakdowns. They were abandoning like the re- oh, it was the John Jones in in the in the Cyril Gon fight. Cyril Gon fight. He went from he got the takedown and Cyril started to get back up and John abandoned putting the hook in. He went right to the front headlock and jumped on the guillotine. And that was because that makes that guy sit back to his butt. Look for that potentially to happen here. You know, is that if he can, he's able to get to the top position on on uh, Aljo. He's gonna not. He's not gonna leg ride. He's not gonna try to hump the leg. He's gonna not gonna try to get the takedown. He's gonna go right to the front headlock and just start controlling the front headlock and snapping you down and keeping you breaking, keep you breaking. It's gonna be a good fight. It just comes down to who yeah, can is. implement their style the best. And I think that Henry being this puts him oh, into dude. that category. If he wins this title, it's gonna be hard for me not to say he's the best. He that he's not the best combat sports athlete that we've ever seen. Olympic gold medal. Two two division two division champion Not two division and Olympic gold medal. I mean, give me. But give me. how many? How, okay, all right. It's as simple as it gets. Yes, Olympic gold medal is fantastic. At twenty one years fly, old, John, don't leave that out. Stop. You, you fly flyweight is a long time ago. Flyweight and bantamweight champion. How many title defenses has he had? That's true. Two, two and two, or just sorry, one, one oh. each title defenses. Okay. DJ in the one twenty five. Yes. Right. I'm sorry, wins it from DJ yeah. and then fights TJ. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then goes up, wins it, fights Dom. Yep. How many title defenses did John Jones have? Yeah, he did. He did. He had a lot. What, 14? Something yeah, like that? 15. Something like that, right? Okay. Now, now it'll be six. Okay, I get it. Up. But like he, he did it in the weakest divisions in the world. It's okay. We'll talk about Henry Cejudo. <laughs> Henry Cejudo did it against who people thought was the number one pound for pound guy, DJ. He beat him for that. That puts him right up there in the top. Then he turned around and knocked out TJ Dillashaw, who was number two or number three in the pound per pound division. Then he goes up and he beats uh then he beats Marlon Rice for the title. And then he beats Dom, who most considered to be the pound for pound guy for a while there, even in his injuries. And if he wasn't, he was always in the top three. And Dom's yeah. done things spectacularly throughout Dom, his career. Dom had not lost yeah. had not lost in the Bantamweight division since Uriah Faber in the WEC. No, didn't he lose to? Uh, didn't he lose? Well, then he, he lost to Cody Garbrandt yeah. when he lost the title. Yeah, but then he lost to Henry right. again. So he had lost. Yeah. He had lost to Henry after he lost to Cody. Correct. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I. But I'm. I, go I'm gonna say, if he wins this again, I, it's hard for me not to say that he's not wrestling. I mean, just the Olympic gold medal at that at that age, John. Most people at 21 years old are trying to figure out where they're gonna get their next beer. Okay, like this, like you know, like this kid was winning the Olympic gold medals at this age. I, I don't want to. I just don't even want to have this conversation. That's one of the hardest things in the world to do. And then he goes on and wins two divisions, two divisions, and one of them being one of the hardest in the world, and the other one beating who many consider to be the one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter in the world at the time. It's going to be hard for me not to say he's not the best combat sports athlete in the world. If he wins this okay, title, you, but but stop, stop. So what you're small. saying is combat sports athlete. Yes. You're not saying the best MMA fighter. Yeah, because yeah, I oh. I, I, can, I put the two of them together. Now, if he goes up and beats Volk, okay. he's better than he's better than John. That there there I go. Yeah, okay. I put him ahead of John. Understand. I could understand your argument. Yeah, I put him ahead of John. But that's that's a long. It way. is. There, there's a lot that needs to happen between now and then. 
Yes. All right. I've kind of I've kind of uh, blew my water in this fight, John. <laughs> I'm a little tired now. Oh man, what a great fight though. I'm looking forward to it. Aljo's got all the abilities, John. I'm excited for it. I want to see if Aljo can get this butt to the body lock. If he can get to the back. If he's able to get some hooks. He, he can. He can. And we all know he can. And so um, that's what makes this fight so interesting. I think if you take a look at, like I said, I go back to the Volk and the Islam. It's a very similar style of fight. He's uh, Henry Cejudo has got to fight how Volkanovski fought. He's got to make him respect his power, his speed, his punching on the feet. Otherwise, I'll just going to walk forward and just be like, yeah, you can't hurt me. I'm just going to get get into the clinch, try to drag you down or do whatever I got to do to get in near your leg locks or whatever to get to the top position and try and submit you from there or get to your back. So yeah. we'll see, man. I'm just excited to see Henry back, and I'm excited to see how Aljo does against someone who can wrestle the fucking shit out of people. That's going to be great. Next fight. True. Bilal Muhammad taking on Gilbert Burns in the co-main event. That's a great fight. Great matchup. Style-wise, you look at it and you go, hmm. You know, Bilal Muhammad, for the most part, throughout most of his career, relied on his wrestling. Very good with his wrestling, very tenacious in his takedowns, able to get people to ground, able to do good ground and pound, control you know their positioning, where they could go with it. He can't control Gilbert Burns. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be an easy task as far as if it hits the ground. But if you look, you know, Bilal Muhammad, when he fought Sean Brady, he wasn't trying to take anybody to the ground. He was trying to stand up and bang. Sean Brady is not bad on his feet. No. We know that. And so Gilbert's got power in the stand-up. Gilbert's got good stand-up. This is an interesting matchup. I don't, I don't uh, know if Bilal's going to end up really trying to take this to the ground. I don't think he is, but he could. He could say, nah, I don't give a shit about his jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I'm going I'm to pound a hole in his head. I think in the first round, he's going to try to fill it out, try to put pressure, make Gilbert get tired. Gilbert does, even though he's up at 70 now, he still cuts quite a bit of weight. He's a thick boy. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. he ever made 55. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Jeez. <laughs> but um, Bilal is... It, Bilal... What scares me about Bilal is that during um, Ramadan, he's tweeting and putting it out there on social media. Any any person, anybody, anytime. Bro, you're in the middle of Ramadan. Like, you're not able to really get good nutrition because you gotta. your time has changed. You're not really able... You're not able to drink water during the day. You're not able to eat during the day. Like you're you're upside down right now. Like during this time is a good time to probably not say too much. Like let me get towards the end of Ramadan and then we'll start talking about this. But it's I mean I've I I've coached some classes like some fitness classes and stuff and I got people that are in class that are that are Muslim and they can't eat and then you see them come in and they're like they're dragging they're just like I I understand I'm just like hey do the best you can sure be patient you know. Uh, all of these things, like just, you know, work through it. And I'm surprised they're even working out during the day, knowing that they haven't eaten all day and they're not going to be able to eat all day. And so for him to take this fight, it kind of, I think he kind of got pushed into this a little bit because hey, you said anybody, anywhere, anytime, well, here I am and I'm ready. Let's do it. He kind of, he kind of painted himself into a corner by saying that now it tells the UFC like, oh, you didn't mean any anybody anytime you meant whenever you're ready and that that sucked so i because Bilal really only had two and a half weeks and this last week doesn't really oh. count so you had two and a half weeks of tra of training and this last week you're not really doing much you don't want to overdo it because you would rather have a rested body than a overtrained body the week up 
You got to let your body True. rest. You got to get some food intake, but he still got to, he has to cut the weight. So, uh, I, I don't think we're going to see the best Bala Muhammad, but I think we're going to see a damn good one because sometimes, John, we talked about this last week. When you take a fight on short notice, you don't have time to overthink it. You don't have time right. to overtrain. You really just got two and a half weeks of hard training and then you're, you're boom, you're fighting. Your mindset ends up being a lot different. It does. You, it does. You have to be more relaxed. Many times. There. Exactly, which gives a better performance. So I don't know. I look at it. Gilbert Burns is coming. He's coming on a short turnaround, also, you know. And and it's a question: is mm, ha, is it too many camps back to back? That's true, you know, which is something that can definitely have an effect. And you don't even think about it until it's now you're into this next fight and you're dragging, hmm. you know. And it's not not an easy thing to do. It might be where he, he's not like that at all. But I don't. I just think that you know this is absolutely the fight if you're going to put Colby against. Um, Leon Edwards, this is the one to determine who gets the next shot. Absolutely. I think on the feet, they they pretty much kind of cancel each other out. I think Gilbert's going to have the speed. And I think Bilal's going to have just that, I don't want to say power, but that thuddiness. Yeah. I like the thuddiness of it. Like he's going to have a little bit more of an effect because I think he'll be the. You think, you think, but you think Bilal's got more power? No, than I, that's what I said. I don't want to say the word power. I think, but it's going to have more of a thudding effect. It's hard for me to explain. He's going to be the one pushing the pace. He'll be the one trying to push yes. Gilbert backwards. I and believe I believe that. the striking will have a little bit more of an effect on uh, Gilbert because he will be pushing him backwards. Gilbert's going to have to fight him going backwards because Bilal's going to be pushing the pace. So the strikes, are gonna, I feel like, are going to be landing a little bit more. Not more. I just feel like there's a word I'm looking for that I can't find. I don't want to say harder, but they're going to have more of an effect because Gilbert's going to be moving backwards and his back against the fence and the pressure is going to start to get to him a little bit. Of of the way Bilal fights, it's in that constant in your face. Just gosh, man, yeah, it feels yeah. like I'm getting hit Constant harder pressure. than I am. It feels like I'm getting hit more than I am because it starts to bother you. It starts the frustration. Like, man, this guy keeps coming. What is he doing? Like, that's what Gilbert's gonna yeah. have to deal with. And you don't have don't have any room or time to relax. Yeah, you know. And I think yeah. with Gilbert, he has he doesn't fight he doesn't fight as well going backwards he fights well when he's coming forward and i think Bilal is going to meet him in the middle and it's going to be kind of you're going to see who's going to be able to push who backwards um in this category i don't know if gilbert's got the wrestling to take Bilal down and i don't think Bilal wants to take him down at least not until the second round when they get a little more sweaty and mm -hmm. on the feet i think i'm going to i'm going to go with Bilal more so on the feet not because of the stand up but because of the pressure the ability to get in your face the ability to make you a little bit more tired than make you throw your punches when you're not, when you're not wanting to throw them. So you're laboring them out there. You're like, you're having to fight when you don't want to fight. That's going to be, that's going to be, I think the, the telltale on this fight. If Bilal can do that, I think he starts to kind of win the rounds. There'll be close rounds though, but I think he starts to win the rounds and we'll see. We'll see, but it, it's, it's yeah. a fun fight. This is a great fight. Yep. Jessica Andrade versus Jayon Yan. I can't say her yeah. name. Jayon Yan. Yan. It is Yan. Thank yes. you very much. That's exactly what I'm mm -hmm. going with. It's actually, you know, a, a really good strawweight matchup. I like seeing Jessica Andrade back in the mm -hmm. strawweights. Uh, I think she's too strong for Yan. I think she's got too much mm -hmm. in the stand-up, too much on the ground, just too much overall. I think she takes the fight. Yeah, she's too much of a bully. 
And Jan, she likes to land clean and, you know, get in, get out. And she wants to be more of Very a technician technical. on the feet. Yeah. Well, yep. I'm sorry, but Andrade doesn't play not that against, game. Not against a bully. Yeah, yep. she's a, yeah, she's a bully. Yeah, she's just one of them. She's one of them females, man. Just comes forward and just like, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. And I'm going to put you on your ass. When I get on top, I'm going to fuck you up. And that's kind of the way that Jessica Andrade fights. And uh, I, I love watching her that's fight. because she's fun to watch. Yeah, she's fun. Yeah, exactly. Next fight. Got Evloev against Diego Lopez. This is a ah, it's a good matchup. I like Diego Lopez. He's a good fighter. I just don't think that he has the skill to stay yeah. uh, with Evloev, especially in the wrestling department. Yeah, Evloev, uh, he he's just, he's just good all the way around. And physically, yep. he's strong. He's a grinder. Physically, he's gonna, very. He's going to hang on you. He's going to take you down. He's going to control yeah. you. He's going to make you work out of shitty positions. And Diego taking this fight on short notice. That's another thing. Yep. So, like, when, you, when you're fighting someone, you take a fight on short notice, you're not in the best of shape. I don't care if you're always training. You're not in fight shape. And then you get in there, and once you get in there, you realize you're fighting someone who just doesn't care about really chasing after the submissions or the ground and pound. He just wants to hang on you. He wants to hit you with little shots. He wants to make you work out of shitty positions and putting making you frustrated. Yep. But you can't go yep. anywhere or and do he anything, and he will. And by then, you're like, you know what? Just you're you're thinking to yourself, man, just just get submitted already, so I can get the hell out of here. <laughs> like we've seen it before from top level fighters, yeah. man. You're like, man, just nothing's going your way, and I took the fight on short notice. But shit, what did I do? And but Evolev is uh, he was preparing for Bryce Mitchell, and so he yep. understands what Bryce Mitchell was going to be good at, and, the, and he's like, I'm just going to do the same thing. I'm going to basically do this to Diego Lopez. We're going to see. Yep, I agree. Next fight. Opening up the main card, we got Crone Gracie coming back after a long layoff against Charles Jourdain, who we both really love the way he fights. Got great stand-up. He's got, he's got a good ground game, but you cannot compare his ground game mm-hmm. to Crone Gracie's. If it ends up on the ground, that is not a good position for Charles Jourdain. Uh, Dave, click on Crone. Yeah, uh, that's what I want to know. I want to know the date. It's been about at least three years, right? Pre-COVID. Yep. Yep. Pre-COVID, when did he fight? Yeah, yep. 2019, Pre-COVID. October of 2019. So yep. six months before COVID, six, seven months before yep. COVID. Um, it's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. But I want to know what he's worked on since he's been away. Has he worked on his wrestling? Has that, has that, has that been his main find focus? Out. Has he, worked, find has he out. worked on his striking? Or has he just worked on more jiu-jitsu? <laughs> no, well, you, okay, you got to be honest. Like, Crone, uh, you know, his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. Yeah, he's nasty good. But... You know, his training is mostly with Nate and Nick. Those are the guys that he goes to. He, you know, and that's, they've kind of got him into the type of stand up that he does. He does a lot of, you know, grimy, dirty, nasty, mm-hmm. you know, attacks, you know, that suit his style. I don't know if he's uh, got himself any better, but he doesn't have to be great to get Charles Jordan down. No, he doesn't have to be great, but he's, he's going to have to be slick about it. Like, yeah. he can't just walk right in and be like, oh, yeah. Like, he's going to no. get pieced up. He's going to get kicked. He's going to get all those need. He's got to make, he's got to watch out for the flying attacks, the flying knees. He's got to watch out for all of those things. And so he's got to be yep. slick. He's got to be right, right on with the timing. And um, <clears throat> the, that's why I'm asking. Did, has he been working on his stand-up? Has he been working on the wrestling? Has, what, has he worked on the two things since he's been away? F- three, almost four years, three ways, three years away. In coming back, what have you been getting better at? Like your your jiu-jitsu is already probably better than ninety nine point nine percent of the people in the in the fight game right now. 
there's no reason to even continue to like, I'm not saying continue to work on it, but you don't need to be making leaps and bounds to get better. You need to get a lot better at his wrestling to get these fights to the ground so you can utilize that jiu-jitsu. And so if he's worked on that a little bit, I definitely am going to give him the fight. But Jordan, if I look at, if I look at the way Jordan fights, I could say he's a little bit like a Cub Swanson. That's what he lost to Cub last. He's got the ability to stop takedowns. He's got the ability to let the hands and feet go, and he puts him, he puts it together with good angles. He hits the angle, and then he'll throw the he'll throw his kick to put his hands behind it, put his hands behind it, and then throw the kick. You know, flying knees are there. He will mix it up enough to keep Crone keep Crone guessing. So Crone's got to make sure that he's letting his striking go and selling it to the point where yeah, that definitely Jordan see. doesn't realize that the, the the takedowns are coming. And so we're gonna see this so right off the bat. We're gonna find out in the first minute and a half what he's been working on in the last three yeah. years. I agree. This next fight though is gonna be a fucking bar murder. <laughs> oh, Drew Dober against Matt Frivola. That's a great fight. When you're talking about two guys that will stand there and throw down both guys. Uh, I love Drew Dober. I love, you know, in watching his progression as a fighter throughout the years, he's been in the UFC quite a while now. Yeah. And he's he's really, you know, he is always in shape. He comes to fight. He f- bites down on his mouthpiece and goes after people. He's fun to watch. Frivola, same thing. Yep. Tough dude. Yeah, both these guys, I mean, it, they kind of throw the fight IQ out the door sometimes when they realize they're not sometimes. winning the fight. They need to make it work. That's why they're fun to yeah, watch. That's why they, exactly. But it's also, they also understand, like, look, the fight's getting away from me. I need to get it back within my realm. I've got to make this a dog well, fight. Well, they both, okay, but and you look at both of them do well in a dog fight. Yeah. So this should be fun. It really comes right. down to who who's going to land the shot at the moment that they need to land it. And once they do land that shot, if they need to follow up, don't rush it. Don't smother themselves. Keep your space. Keep your distance and finish the shots. When you rush in, you smother everything. Nothing lands clean. And then you end up being locked up and the guy could potentially come back. and You blew your wad trying to finish him. So um, this makes for a very fun fight. And this is a smart call by the UFC, though, putting this as their last prelim fight right before yeah, the pay-per-view. Prelim. Brilliant. Because I was like looking. I'm like, why isn't Crone on? Like, why is... Dober and Frivola not on the main card. And I was like, wait a second. Final, you know, main event for it the, for the pay, uh, prelims is smart. Next fight. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on here you, you want to talk about? You got Kennedy and Joku mm-hmm. against Devin Clark. That's a good fight. It is. You got Marina Rodriguez taking on Jen Daroba. Mm-hmm. Striker versus Grappler. We're going to see how that one goes out. Phil Haas coming back against Alcazarov. Tough fight. Mm-hmm. Going to be interesting. The Marina Rodriguez fight and the uh, Verna, I don't even know how you say her name, Jen Drobel. Like, she's fantastic on the ground, and Marina Rodriguez is super hard to take down. So the two of them should make for a fun fight. Uh, Verna is going to be struggling to get the takedowns. Marina is fantastic on the feet. Keep this thing sprawling brawl. If she can do that, she's got a good chance. But Verna's good on the leg lock. She's good on the ground. She's good at top position. She's good from her back. So this makes for a this makes for a very fun fight. I see Marina winning the fight, but I oh. think it's going to be a tough fight for Marina, and it's going to be tougher than people are going to give Verna credit for. Good fight. Um, yep. See that that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. Oh wait, you know what? This other guy, I like watching this guy fight. Uh, Zumuga Gulov or whatever. Zuma Zuma Gulov. Zuma Gulov. I thought he retired his last fight. He did. And now he's back. And he came back. Son of a gun. Right. Hey, but I was like, man, he's only like 34, 35. I'm like, you still got some gas in the tank, buddy. Keep it going. Make your money. I mean, he's fun to watch. 
He's fine. Yeah, they didn't give him an easy no. fight this time either. Take a look at his fights that they've given him in the UFC. I know. They're not doing him any favors. <laughs> you look, you go, you hate this yeah, dude. Yeah, he's fun, though, man. You hate this yeah. dude. Yeah. Manel Cape. Look, well, I, mean, I thought he won the Molina fight. I thought I, if I okay. went back and I, I as I recall, I believe I thought he won that fight. I think I think that was the one that. Uh, I th- or, or also the Charles Johnson fight was super. Close. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I mean, but either way, I thought I thought he won. I think it was the Jeff Molina fight, and uh, the Charles Johnson fight was back and forth. But I also think, as I recall, he probably won that one too. It was close. But either way, two splits. He's just fun. He comes. He brings the action. He's he's always in the face. I mean, he does he does crazy shit. And I don't know. I like to watch guys like that fight. I know they're never going to probably be champion, but those are the guys you need to have on your undercards. Those are the guys you yeah. need to have on opening your pay per views or finishing or or your action. main event on your prelims. Those are the ones that bring the action, man. I love watching them fight. How old is he, Dave? Scroll up. He's getting old. Thirty four. Yeah, 34. He's baby still. That's still in your prime, yeah. buddy. I'm not a baby, but you know what I mean. That's, that's not a baby. No, that nose, though, is not a baby. <laughs> a little crooked. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to wrap up our UFC 288. That's a pay-per-view. But, hey, before we get going on the next stuff and the next conversations, go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne in and John Unprofessional right in the middle of my totally. ad read. Jeez, totally. Right in the middle of my ad read, this guy. That's- that's um, horrible. Yeah, so go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne In. It is free. Subscribe over there. We're taking some fan questions. I'm pulling some questions off of there as well. And then I'm um, sending... If you guys also have questions, uh, submit them on there. That's where we want you guys to submit them. But um, there is... John and I have been doing some extra content on there. We have, to, we have to get a lot more extra on there, John. We've got to get more. John's got to put, start putting some stuff up about his farm. Oh man, oh. I could have put up some great stuff today. You should have. But here, I sent you a video with Laura about Laura Senko. She's got a cow. Yeah, she got a cow that's for sale. Yeah. And you know what? She, I said, hey, you know what? I go, John. John has a farm, and he's actually always been looking for animals. And she goes, he's the only person I'd probably sell this cute cow to. So, <laughs> so I'm just throwing it out there, man. Maybe John and Laura could hook up and get you know and get some business dealings going. You know, it's funny because I actually have a. There's a guy out here that I do stuff with, and really good guy. And I'm, I have to do a road form that goes up a, up this hill. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, that's coming up in a month that I have to finish this road form. But he's, no, he, you know, it's like he wants to pay me back. He wants to give me these cows. So now I'm going to go get some more cows. And oh, I'm like, shit, I'm filling up with cows. And I had pigs today. It was hysterical. You would think pig. First off, I've got hog heaven is what this is, but. It's all electrical fence. You know what electrical? You know what the electrical yes, fence is like. Yes, I know what like? electrical fence is like. And it's a solar electrical yes, fence, I do right? Know what it's like. Oh no! So yeah. Okay. So check this out. I'm out there, right? And I hook up this damn solar fence, right? And I get everything right. And I'm like, I gotta feel what it's like, you know? Oh, you fucking get it <laughs> Oh no! So I take my hand, right? And I just touch it. I didn't do anything. Touch it. And I'm looking at the thing, and it says it's working, right? Touch it. So then I, I hold on to it, and it gives me a little. Zzz. I'm like. You got to be shitting me. There's no way these, because I, I had my pigs, you have to train them. And I'm like, there's no way they could be making the giant squeal that they make when they touch that thing. Yeah, and I, I do it again. No. All right. There's something wrong. I, so I go to where my pigs are at and the other one, right? And I do the same thing with that fence. I'll be a son of a bitch. It's it's like nothing, you know? And I used to get tased mm-hmm. all the time. Thank God. You know, it explains when I was a lot. It. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, dude. So then, I, so then I go, maybe it's that, you know, I'm wearing rubber boots 
you know what? Let me grab this metal thing and bam! Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, dude. I go, that's what they're feeling right there, wow. right? Wow. Oh, dude, it, it right through, right, right across. I was like, oh, okay. That was a good one. Just because you had rubber boots and, on? Yeah, just because wow. you had ground, it, it makes yeah, it so it, it makes doesn't sense, work. but. Because it's all about the grounding of it. So then, you know, I, I take, I, I can only get three of my pigs. I have two that they were not food driven. I couldn't get them in the damn trailer. So I took three of them over, put them in there. And my big Anatolian shepherd is just checking them out, right? And he keeps on getting close to this wire, right? And I go, hey, Bubba, you know, Bubba's his name. I said, Bubba, get away from that damn wire, man. You're, you're not going to be happy, right? Oh, and, the, the, and the pigs are now, the pigs are smart. They don't touch that thing, right? And so the pigs are right here. And so Bubba just decides, okay, I'm going to nuzzle in. And here's the wire right here. Oh. And you go, burp. That dog jumped up five <laughs> feet in the fucking air and took off running oh, at full shit. steam in the air oh, it's and God. head straight to the house right i mean he was in a sprint oh man and I, I'm, I'm like well my dog just realized i'm never touching that shit again yep. <laughs> you're gonna get a thing from PETA so, for animal cruelty <laughs> oh man son of a gun unbelievable oh yeah. well before i was really interrupted about my uh, ad read go to onlyfans.com slash weighing in uh, no we want to hear all these stories about your Animal cruelty oh, sounds great. And animal cruelty. <laughs> uh, Picking up a four hundred pound pig today. That was a geez. lot of fun. Uh, all right, Jeez. what do you got for us there, buddy? I was just gonna uh, tell you guys on OnlyFans. We we put out a question asking what people, our followers, are most excited for in the month of May. Uh, Tana McGuire says he's, he hopes to see John Matua and versus Steve Nelmark in BKFC. Ooh. Oh um, my god. Unlikely Galaxy, Bouquet wants Aljo versus Triple C, and then the DJ Trilogy fight, and then um, Arc 817 Texas wants Aljo versus Triple C. Um, hello and Goodbye doesn't want anything, but he held the new Super Mario now, Bros. movie as my here's, here's the question I got to ask, though. Since you read that question out, Dave, Dave, who's John Matua and Steve Nelmar? <laughs> he has no idea. No idea. Oh, John, he has no idea. Oh, geez. I barely have any idea who you guys are. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, man. I, JM does ask you, Josh. Um, he said you seemed really excited by BKFC in the last show. He said, and he asked, are you uh, excited enough by BKFC to give it a try and would you be willing to fight Eddie Alvarez? Yeah, I've actually been talking to someone from BKFC. And uh, no, I have no desire to fight Eddie. I like Eddie as a friend. <laughs> but I also don't. I have no desire to fight Eddie. I mean, there's really just two. There's only Now I've actually upped it to two. Is there's two guys that I wouldn't mind fighting? It'd be Nate Diaz being one of them. Um, stylistically, I think on the feet it makes makes sense. Plus the history's there. And then the other one is Gil Melendez. I'd take that fight too. And uh, those two things. And there's a lot of money involved. And uh, if there's a lot of money involved, that says that speaks leaps and bounds about it. I think the Nate fight makes more sense uh, from my point my point of view. It makes more money too. But uh, and that's where I'm headed. That's all I'm looking for, man. And I'm not looking to. I would love to give it a try. I, I think it's. I'm very, I'm very attracted by the sport, especially after last weekend. And I've talked to some managers too that were there live and they're like, man, he's like, it just is a different feel. It has that feeling like there is something here. They've just got to get it. They've got to fine tune it a little bit more. And, um, you know, there was some stuff that happened behind the scenes that, you know, that, uh, for the, for the, the Luke Rockhold fight and the Mike Perry fight. 
you know, that it shouldn't have happened. And it came down to some weight stuff and some issues with that. And, you know, in the and I don't know if people realize, but, you know, the fight was a little bit in jeopardy and uh, they were able to get it all worded, uh, worked out and sorted out. But it just it was one of those things that, you know, that those are things that happen behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about, you know, or, and there's and the promotion is is rel- it's a relatively new promotion. And sure, they do shows yeah. over in the UK and they do shows here. But look, Dana White still says like they've been around, they've been in business for thirty years, and they're still trying to figure shit out, you know. And I know, I know Bellator. We deal with some with some issues too on on a fight on a on a fight night bite basis every time we we're in the we're in the arenas, you know. You just never know. Fighters are fucking so difficult to deal with, man. And I was one of them for twenty something years. I get it. They're they're fucking super high maintenance. They're super needy. They want to, they want everything to be about them. And they don't want to give you shit to deal with. Like, and at the end of the day, they're like, you know that, look, they want to make the money. So the promoter's like, look, you, we know you want to make the money, but I also need you to fight on the card because I've got a TV network to, to keep in track and in contract yeah. with. So it's, it's, a, it, it's kind of, we both need each other to make this shit work, but it's whoever can bend a little bit and willing to bend a little bit over the circumstances. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to BKFC because they've come up with something that is original that I know was done back in the day and this and that, but it wasn't the right time right it's, now. It's not, it's, it's not I know original. it's not original, but it, you understand what I'm saying though. Like they've yeah. done it right. The they've, they've made it, they've made it kind of cool. Yeah. It's for some they've reason it's it cool. real. It's I like it. If I'm an investor, I'm attracted to what they're doing now. I'm not saying it's going to be the next, you know, UFC or MMA or I'm not saying it's going to be that. Um, but it's it's got potential to be something. I don't know. I saw Dave Feldman. He's the president. He said we are now the number two combat promotion in the Calm world. Calm down, buddy. Slow your roll. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. wow, boy. Ariel, He's going past all boxing yeah. things and everything. Wow. Ariel said PFL was too. So <laughs> calm down. <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Look, there's a there's a lot. Look, I think there's something there. Um, I don't know what, but I think there's something there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because Connor was there and he got up in the in the ring and with the belt. I wouldn't be surprised if he's considering the investment or the purchase of that as well. What they've done with, um, or he has some sort of skin in the game. I just look at it that way. I look at him kind of poking his nose out there, going, "Hey, you guys, maybe might be for sale, or hey, you guys need a bigger, you guys need a big investor, or you know, something along those lines." I think they're looking to maybe do something like that with this company. It would ma- it would make sense for him to wouldn't make sense for him otherwise to be there. You know, to be there doing what he was doing and, and, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies type of things. That's right. So he's, he's, he's got, he's got his nose in there somewhere thinking well, the, the, the brain's stirring up yes. and some investors behind him, I think are also thinking the same thing. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and talk about one championship. We're going to talk about a couple of the fights on here, not the whole card. Uh, but obviously the main event, Demetrius Johnson, who we just spent a lot of time talking about with Henry Cejudo and, uh, Adriano Moraes part three. <laughs> you know, the, the, it is part three, but you, know, you, you got to figure here in the States that that is going to be a true bantamweight. They're going to have to come in at 135 pounds. So Demetrius is basically fighting a guy in Adriano Moraes who's going to be losing weight to get to that 135 pounds and then putting on. And Demetrius is probably somewhere around 135, 136 pounds. Mm-hmm. Just naturally. So he's not going to be getting much bigger off of it. Morais is, but he's already dealt with him before. And 
he learned something in the first fight, came back, fought a different fight in the second one. We saw it. And if there's, you know, something you look at in this, I go, man, DJ's older than him. That's not good. Uh, DJ is smaller than him. That's not good. But it's DJ. Mm -hmm. And DJ's super smart. Very good everywhere. And I think he overtakes a lot of the things that, you know, normally I'm going to put into the equation with Marais. I think that that last one, especially the knockout that he had, said a lot to Marais. Marais is going to be a little more careful. That's not going to be effective for him in the fight. I'm going with Demetrius Johnson. Also. Yeah, I'm going to go with DJ for a couple of reasons. I mean, he spent a lot of his camp with Henry Cejudo. And they spent a lot of time working together. Both, both working with each other yep. for their fights. Understanding right. how they help each other's legacy out in whatever promotion they're fighting in. I also think that you're going to see DJ really grind on Marais. I think he's going to get to the wrestling right away. He's going to utilize all of that stuff that he worked with with Henry. And I think him and Henry came up with a good game plan for both fights. He said, hey, DJ, what do you think of me fighting Aljo? How do I get him beat? And this is what he said. And they came up with a scheme for that. And then DJ turned around and said, Henry. How do I get this done with Marais? He's like, look, this is what I felt the first two fights. He's like, and then I'm sure Henry went to the drawing board because he's a nerd. And he said, hey, this is what I think. I, I see this. And then DJ and him worked on it. I think both of them, the two of them working together, there's no better fighters that I you could put together in terms of inside the same training facility and be like, hey, like who are you going to go to for advice? Uh, those two. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And... I look to DJ. I look at DJ, and I think he's going to go out there and wrestle him. He's going to control the top position. A he's going to do a lot of ground and pound. He's going to make him work. Look to get to a submission. I think I think Marais can be hard to submit, but I think I think DJ's mill control the top position, avoid the submissions, probably get to the back, slow the fight down. And we've seen with Marais because he does cut some weight because he is a bigger guy. Starts to he break starts down. to break down. He starts to slow down. He doesn't. He can't yep. fight at the pace that DJ can fight at. I don't care how old DJ right. is. He is a premier athlete. DJ is somebody who has always taken his fight stuff, his fight training, his cardio, his conditioning, his, you know, the way he takes care of his body, very serious. And those are the fighters that you have to continuously be worried about, even on later stages of their career, 36, 37, 38, whatever it is. How important is it for one FC, for DJ to get a win over Extremely important. in this fight? Extremely important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I, I like Morris. I think I think uh, so do I. I think he's a fantastic fighter, but when I put the two of them together, one is significantly smaller than the other, and to say that yep. they are both supposed to be fighting the same weight class is just ludicrous, you know. And I'm not talking about the rapper, okay? It's just ludicrous. I'm just simply <laughs> saying that Adrian Morris is not a true 125 pounder, and they're fighting at bantamweight, no. but you can't fight at 125. Fight, yeah, he can't fight at 125. So when they were saying this was a flyweight fight before, it's fucking bullshit. This fight would be an abandonweight fight, and this Demetrius is not going to have to cut really much. Probably four pounds, maybe five at the most, I'd say. Yeah. And Adriano is going to probably cut fifteen. I say maybe, maybe, Easy. maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit less, between ten and fifteen. About fifteen yeah. to and sixteen. Look, pounds. I think because he now knows he has to make weight, he's going to probably start trying to dial his weight in a little bit more. But I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's uh, DJ making a lot of money though. That's what we do know. We do know if, you know, over him. there he's making a ton of money. Good for him. All right, next fight. Diet. Let me see. You got Rotong yeah. going against Edgar Tabaras in a Bantamweight title fight. Is this kickboxing, though? No. Is this MMA? 
MMA. Okay, because Rotong, he, he will fight some. Rotong uh, is a fa phenomenal yeah. Muay Thai fighter. Phenomenal. The, the, the fight that I wanted to talk about, uh, talk about was uh, Nong Stamp and uh, Elise Anderson. Elise Anderson. She's really good on the ground. She's fantastic. But does she have the strength to get Nong Stamp down? That's my concern. Can, can she handle the, the stand-up and the kicks? And the clinch game of Nong Stamp. Yeah, she's got to be able to get her to the ground. I want to know how she's going to get her to the ground. That's what I want to know. Is she going to just jump in on a single leg and then drop to the leg locks and try to make her fight from there? Because Stamp is not bad from the top position, but not in full guard top position. She's good from the half guard, decent. Half guard. She's got side control. She's got heavy ground and pound. In her last fight, she did some vicious elbows. Fucking, she was letting it hang out. And uh, she's just physically, she is fucking strong you can just see it and anderson is just super slick on the ground very crafty very aggressive with her attacks and uh i was talking with her man her manager um uh brian butler is it brian butler yeah and then i was talking with him about her and and uh and what she what she's got to get it done how she's got to get it done he was giving me some some uh, ideas on what they were going to do i can't talk to you about it but um yeah. But it's uh, it, it makes sense. What they were saying on how they had to get it done made a lot of sense, and so I'm looking forward to seeing her uh, see if she can get this win. Uh, a really good fight, one that is uh, Roberto Soldic, unbelievable talent. Came from KSW, um, mm -hmm. went to one. He's taken on Kedistam. That's a great matchup. Uh, Soldic had one fight in one, and it was uh, stopped off of a low gro uh, uh, groin shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, wasn't able to continue so this is really his coming out but people if you have not watched him fight i am telling you this dude is a monster he is fun to watch well i'm gonna be honest the thing that i care the most about on this whole card is deritter versus tyrula tulo <laughs> but now is that i think it's mma it is I mma because MMA. i know they have mikey Mushem, uh, Mus Musik, Mush yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say it right, but I know he's on there, and I, I'm believing that's a grappling match. But if that, if Deritter versus Ty Rulatolo is that's MMA, I think it is MMA. I think so. Really, Dave? Can you look this up? Can you we can we confirm this? Because Ty's already shocked. Ty's already done a jujitsu match in I believe in in one or I know Cade has. No, he I, had both of them. Have, yeah, I believe. I believe Ty has too. Can you look but, up? Can you just look up and see if this is MMA? If this is MMA, I think it is. I don't think so. Because then, if it was, you're going to take was, a guy. Yeah. Hold it. You're going to take a guy in Thai who has never been in an MMA fight and put him against a guy that was your two division champion. It's mixed. It's mixed, mixed martial arts. So it's my Muay Thai. Uh, so MMA Muay Thai. No, no, go, go down, go down to Deritter. No, no, I know it's mixed, but I'm saying go down to Ruotolo and Deritter. Yeah, submission grappling. Submission grappling. grappling. Nah, fuck Thank it. you very much. So then, so then, Ty hasn't competed then in uh, in one. So just it's just you know, been Cade. That that's one that I see Ty, Ty wins that. Absolutely. I mean, Deritter's tough. He's good. He's long. He's really he's big. Good. He's really big. Uh, but Ty, well, Ty's Ty, just Ty slick, man. He's just—he's really yeah. slick on the ground, and the fact that he yep. has a twin brother is fucking just as good as him. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. You got the—you got the return to Sage Northcut yeah. coming in after uh, for his second fight. We're gonna see how this one goes against Mujtaba. Sage, Let's see how that goes. It, it, the biggest—he hasn't fought in what three and a half years yeah. since that since the knockout since uh, from Cosmo. Cosmo, right? Cosmo broke his yeah. face. Jesus, yep. when was that? 
Broke 2019. Nine, nine bones. May of 2019. Yeah. Holy May. shit. Even longer than Fucking. we were talking about Crone Gracie. Yeah. Holy shit. All right. Yes. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our 1FC talk. And uh, I know we didn't get, break down all of them. You guys, have, a lot of it is that because of the time changes, we really don't know some of these guys. <laughs> they're, from, they're from other countries that we're still trying to figure it all out. So, Well, it's also, you, they don't even have up there that which ones are grappling. Yeah, and, which ones are, and the other thing, too, is yeah. I don't know if this is all going to be displayed. Because, you know, when they did their uh, TNT deal and their Amazon, their was, Amazon, Amazon yeah, yeah, but they had a TNT deal also. Remember they were on TNT when we were in the bubble for uh, yeah. we would watch them on TNT in the hotel. And so um, then they went to Amazon Prime and they would only show the MMA fights because it was MMA, but they didn't show the grappling shit. We had to go online and watch the grappling uh, shit. So, that's right. That's right. yeah, it's like yep. different stuff. All right. Well, hey, good, yeah, good we'll fight. Not that main event is to die for. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Give us some news there. Podcast, Dave. Uh, so I uh, pulled up this graphic um, to get your thoughts on. Uh, um, obviously, I'll just Dave, in this Dave, weekend. Some... Slow down yep. and speak English, please, so we can understand what the hell you're saying. Okay, let's go. <laughs> um, Aljo made comments about Dominic Cruz, um, and I'm going to quote him right here. He says, "In my eyes, I still look at Dominic Cruz as that guy. If we're just talking straight up stats as as a champ, but I get this done. I think it's going to be a tough debate." Meaning that he's over Dom at the point if he wins if he beats Cejudo. Negative. It's not. Sorry. It's not even close, John. <laughs> it's not even well, close. Yeah, and this. Is, do me a favor. Pull up Dominic Cruz's uh record for me real quick. And this is why. Look at when you when you're talking. This is the same thing we say with John Jones. And when you're talking about title defenses, now you're gonna see. Stop it right there. You have a lot in here that when you're looking at some of these with the WEC, you got to figure Dom Cruz ended up becoming the champion in the WEC, right? And then went to the UFC, fights Uriah for, was it the second or third time? I can't remember, but he beats Uriah again, beats Demetrius Johnson, beats TJ Dillashaw, Mizugaki. Uriah had beat him the one time. He beat Mizugaki. Now, Mizugaki, uh, he was not the champion. No. That's when he came back because he had the knee injury yeah. from the Ultimate Fighter. He was out thing. for almost three years. So when you see the Mizugaki, TJ Dillashaw, the TJ Dillashaw was when he won the title again and then beat Uriah Faber again at 199. And so you take a just take a look at some of the, those fights, though. You know, Uriah Faber the second time, that was, I believe, a championship fight. Five rounds. Boom. Yes, it was. Boom. Demetrius Johnson beats him. The Mizugaki was not because that was, he had lost his title. He vacated it. Put the title to the side and vacated Mm -hmm. it based upon the injury. Then he comes back and beats TJ Dillashaw again. So, I don't know. It's a matter of, Aljamain's got a couple of wins. He he, obviously got the title with... uh, the yawn but beat yawn and then beat tj but tj was a little bit you look and you go it was obvious his shoulder was yeah so it's like yeah you beat him and you did exactly what you were supposed to did your job but it's not quite you're gonna have to get a couple more a couple more now the henry sudo if he beats him it's a big one i I don't know i mean i look at 
Uriah's done. Still, Uriah's done all the things that other people have done, and he beat him twice. Dom did. You know, he beat DJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, he beat TJ. I can't. I can't. I can't put Aljo there just yet. And I'm, I'm saying he's gonna have to at least have two, three more, at least against top. I mean, I know it's the, right now what makes it a little bit more appealing to me and giving him that that reign over Dom is that this division right now is the most stacked division in the sport. So yep. that's where I'll give him a little bit more leeway. But if he's gonna if he's gonna win this fight and then go to forty five, then no. Yeah, I can't I can't say that. No, Dom Dom. What people have to remember is that Dom was very dominant, and I know I'm looking at his stuff. It's oh unanimous decision, unanimous, unanimous decision, and then a split decision. But in some of these, like in these unanimous, he made it look easy. He was taking guys down. He was making. He was making. A, he was a, just a class level above everybody. And um, yeah, he had some close fights, sure. But I mean, he he was fantastic. And then he went away for three years because of the knee. He couldn't get healthy. And then I went and trained at Alliance, and I realized they train on these fucking one inch puzzle mats. And I was like, no wonder your knees are fucked up. I was like, this is yeah, the then worst. Then he, then he thing. had the foot injury with the the arch. Planner for shine. Jesus, man! That the fact that yeah. he would wrestle on those mats, I was like, "What are you guys, bro? Get a sponsor. Get get anybody. We'll give you guys mats. Anybody. You guys had fucking top. You guys had Phil Davis. You guys had Gus Gustafson. You guys had Dom. I mean, you guys had all these. Brandon Vera was there. Like you have all these guys. These companies would be willing to give you guys good mats. They were using these little tiny one inch, not like two inch puzzle mats, one inch puzzle mats to fucking wrestle on. I went down there for a week to train. That's the only like I liked how the training was, but <laughs> that was they the were, last week. That was that there. was the last time I wrestled there. I was like, "There's no way I'm wrestling on this shit." I fucking knocked myself out, hitting my head, dislocating his shoulder, falling on the ground. I was afraid I was going to break a hip. I was getting older at the time, too. I was like, man, <laughs> my career would be over if I broke my hip. I probably um, would have broken a hip. But I can't, I can't put you in that category. And it's not even a tough conversation. It's, not, it's easy to just to wipe to the side right now. Great win over Henry if you are able to get it. Uh, but absolutely not. There's just no way. I can't give it to you just that. If, now, if you go on to beat, if, I don't want you to fight Marab. Who else is next? It, who, pull up the Bantamweight division for me, please. If, if Beat. Umar, it's not just even Umar. I know Umar is way down there, but if yeah, I know he is. If you be, if you were to come out and beat a Corey, uh, uh, Sean O'Malley, and a, and well, a Corey, he Sanhagen, Corey Sanhagen, he already beat him. But let's be honest, Corey is a lot different fighter now, a lot better fighter now. Uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the the Sean O'Malley and the Corey Sanhagen. If you were to beat those two guys, and then maybe if Umar made his way up there, which I think he will, then I'll say, okay, you know what? Those three guys, absolutely, be the best. Yeah, I think you're. I think yeah. because. This division's so stacked. That's where I'm at. The division is stacked. And Aljo is yeah, fucking yeah. fantastic, man. Yes, you he know is. I know you don't like me, Aljo, but I like you, man. You're a good guy. I like. You. I know. I know you're a great fighter. You're a fantastic fighter. Um, I just I can't put you this there yet. I think I got you. Got to still give Dom his due. Come back after those injuries and still getting the win, winning his title back again. But he'd be someone. getting closer. He would be getting closer. Absolutely. A win, over, a win Henry. over Henry. Hell yeah, he gets. Hell closer. yeah. I was just talking. We were just boasting him up about being the. The number one combat athlete of the world. And then I can't, I, I got to give you a lot of love for that. I got to give you a lot of love for that. So I think, I think a win over Sean or Corey and then a win over Umar, one of those two guys, I think, uh, Sean and Corey doing Corey again. Cause the second fight will be very telling. Can you get it? Can you get another win over or was that first fight kind of a fluke? 
You know, was it? You jumped into the was it the guillotine? Jumped on the guillotine real it wasn't fast. Wasn't a fluke. No, it wasn't no, a fluke. But Corey's gotten a lot better. Have you? Are you still going to be? Is your mindset as a champion that I've already done this once? Ah, it's not a big deal, and and shine it on, and the, that would be getting the wins the second time. Normally shows that it's easier to get, but the mindset when you're the champion is sometimes ah, I've been there, done this. Especially after you have a couple title defenses. You're the champ. That's why it's so hard to keep your title. Everyone talks about it. It's one thing to win it. It's another thing to keep it. And to keep, you know, that's what makes John Jones so damn fucking special. You know, I mean, not little short yellow bus special, but like real special. So, <laughs> so good. All right. Let's see. What else you got for us, Dave? All right. We're going to play a little, um, a little speculation. Have a little fun with these ones. Um, Usman, an interview with... Um, ESPN said that he wants to fight Hamza, so you know one, no one's really calling this guy out. Here's this I think man it's a great saying, matchup, but it's a one seventy. Said he wants to fight. Yep, and uh, Hamza, Hamza responds on Twitter with, "Someone needs to be poisoned for retirement." I don't quite know if that's a yes or no, but um, that's what he said. Somebody needs that's to a strange response. Yeah. Um. Wow. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean. Look, the, the fight. I'm, let's talk about the fight. I don't. I don't want to talk about the response because I don't even know what the hell it means. Let's talk about the fight, John. The fight. The fight is fucking fantastic. It's a fantastic fight. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think if I don't care if it's 170 or 185, yeah. but I wouldn't take it at 170 if I was Usman because the last time the guy had a fight at 170, he came in eight pounds overweight. I would take it at 170 and make him cut the weight. I'm sorry, John. I'm, look. I'm okay, the former so champion. You're going to do your job. You're going to do your yep. job, and you're going to come in on weight. And now mm -hmm. he does come in. We'll say six pounds, and then I'll take the fight. And I t I collect my show money. I'm sorry, man. I'm smart, bro. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I have not fought at 185, and I don't want my first fight at 185 to be either. He talked about fighting at 185. What? He talked about fighting. At yeah, he has. That doesn't mean he's fought there. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I, I talk about a lot of shit. Doesn't mean that I'm going to do it, <laughs> John. This is true. Uh, you talk a lot of yes, shit. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh man. Um, I think it's one of those. I, he's got to come down. Look, look. Usman's got too much. His his career, his legacy, his all of these things. Like he's done too much at 170. For him to go up okay. and fight somebody at 185 who's not the champ or who's not the number one contender, it doesn't make sense. Like to go up there and fight Chamayev there. No, Chamayev, you you fought at 70. You made the weight one time. You didn't make it the second time. Maybe we can get you back on track. You can come back down and fight me. If you want some of this, okay, then come get it at 170. Now, if, I, if I'm Usman and I'm going to go up and fight Bobby Knuckles or I'm going to fight, you know, uh, Pahea, if Pahea was going to stay at, if he was going to stay at 185, I would say, okay, because there's ways, there's avenues for him to win that fight and to potentially get a title shot. But he's already said he doesn't want to fight Izzy, so then what's the point? There's no reason to go up there. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. If you're not going to sure. fight Izzy, you're not, you said because you guys are both Nigerian and you don't want to fight your friend, cool. But then there's no reason for you to go up to fight Chamayev there at 185. doesn't make any sense. I'd love to see the fight. I, I would too, at 170 though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Next. Okay. All right, some more, some more story, some more game, some more... Uh, Time to make some, have some speculation. Uh, Eddie Alvarez calls it, or calls for a fight with uh, Nate Diaz and BKFC. How about that one? Yeah, but you know uh, what's his name? Paul? Is it Paul or Dave Feldman? Dave. <clears throat> so Dave uh, Feldman has offered Nate basically percentage of the company. Has offered him all this stuff. Yeah, 
and Nate turned him down. So I don't think Nate has any Damn. interest in fighting in, B- that in ain't BKFC. Happened. I don't think he has any. I think I think if he's going to turn to BKFC, it'll be his last resort. It'd be like, okay, after the Jake Paul thing, I may go back and fight Connor in the UFC, and then when I'm done with all that and making as much money as I possibly can, I'll come back to you guys at the end. But I also look at BKFC as it's not something you're you're staking your career on. You're not going to be spending six, seven, eight, ten fights in there. I don't think. I mean, this is this is a like after talking with some of these managers from that were there at the event, they're like, man, these guys came, these guys and girls, females came out fucked up. He's like, we see him at the bar afterwards. He's like, it looks like they got hit by a fucking truck. They got drugged. 15 miles on the back of this thing there it's cuts everywhere splits stitches like inside their mouth their teeth are fucking missing like he's like this is a different game this is a different game and i'm like you know what fucking sign me up <laughs> I'm like let's fucking go no it just i don't think it's one of those things you're gonna have six seven eight fights in i think it's gonna be one of those uh, promotions where you come in you're fighting for maybe three fights i mean mike perry's gonna have a long career mike per- i don't know mike perry's contract's yes, up yeah, they gotta resign that they're guy. gonna have to resign he's that the man most marketable guy they have on their roster. oh this he's perfect he's, he's the most marketable guy they have on the roster right now hands down and i love eddie but uh for sure it's 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 mike perry right. yep next fight all right uh last piece of news here and then we have one more thing after that um there was there's a report by Bloody Elbow via a podcast that um, PFL is rumored to buy Bellator. Um, I don't know if you guys would want to say anything on that situation, but be more so like what what's your thoughts behind? Imagine they became one promotion. Mm-hmm. You're putting all those fighters together. Thoughts there? Uh, I look at it a couple different. First ways. off, I don't I don't want to see any promotion disappear i don't want to see the pfl disappear i don't want to see bellator disappear i don't want to see the ufc disappear i don't want to see one disappear i think fighters need as many top flight promotions as possible so they can have a career Mm -hmm. make money and have a place to go if you know they end up getting dropped by any of those there's another place for them to go Mm -hmm. so every time you take away you know when the ufc would you know buy a promotion ufc bought pride oh we're not going to get rid of it bullshit there it went Yep. You know, we're oh, buying strike force. Yeah, but we're gonna keep it. Bullshit. There yep. it went. It just WEC. Boom. There it goes. It it takes a location away from the fighters, so that's never good. Um, I look at this and it's like, so if PFL what PFL was to buy Bellator, I think it'd be fantastic for the PFL because they would get a lineup that would just all of a sudden put them in a position where they've got incredible talent mm-hmm. that they can kind of use their tournament format but then have their pay-per-view that they're talking about you know super fights that they want to do it sets them up mm-hmm. is it is it good for the fighters no because they're losing a promotion because bellator would go away mm-hmm. um off of that let's you know i'll be totally honest josh be, look at bellator is owned by viacom and viacom has put it out that hey where we want to have a partner mm-hmm. now that doesn't work for the PFL. So I'm sure the PFL will say we'd like to buy all of mm-hmm. it and we're going to see what, um, Viacom does because there are several other offers that are out there mm-hmm. also. And I don't know which way they're going to go, but yeah, eventually 
Bellator is going to be sold to somebody because Viacom is in a position that they want to have either a partner or they're going to get rid of the whole thing. Yeah, I look at the the, the whole conversation with this. PFL is rumored to be uh, to be buying Bellator, and it's kind of is and is it kind of true? But I also consider the swords. It's from Bloody Elbow. I mean, look, they. I think they've already made it very public that um, you know they're entertaining offers not to buy the whole thing, but to buy a, to have a partner. Uh, you know, they have the um, they have the networks that they can put it on. And whatever the whoever comes in to buy a percentage of it, it's no different than when the UFCs went to uh, UFC went to Saudi Arabia, and they they brought in people that took ten percent, they paid them for it, and look at how that saved their company when it came down to COVID. They literally went out there the whole Yaz Island thing or the whole Fight Island thing. That's because of the relationship that they had because they sold ten percent back in the day, right. and then when. Um, when R and them came in and bought the promotion, there was talk of them getting rid of them. And they said, no, no, you probably don't want to do that. And that's what saved them during that COVID situation. I can't remember. What was that group called? I can't think of what they called it. What? Can't remember. The, the, the organization oh, from Saudi. Yeah, I can't remember either. I can't, can't remember, I can't remember either. But yeah, that was a great deal for them. It was a fantastic deal for them. And that's what kind of helped them. That helped them a lot during the COVID situation and their sure connections did. with them. So, um, that that's kind of what everything that everybody is hearing um, in terms of there's offers on the table not to be bought the full thing. Uh, I do know the PFL had put an offer out there that was saying that they wanted to buy the whole thing, but I don't know. I I can't say that Viacom is entertaining that right now in terms of they're looking for someone to be a partner with because they they what do they have? They have Paramount Plus. They've got CBS Sports. They've got CBS. They've got Showtime. They've got all these platforms. You know, that they want to have, they, they need content for. And that's, I think what people need to remember is this. The TV industry right now is in the exact same place that the music music industry was in during the LimeWire and the fucking uh, Napster and all that stuff. Th people were stealing their content. And so how do you avoid them stealing your content? You try to get it onto an app that basically has lock-proof positions where you got to buy the pay-per-views. You've got to find ways to not have it streamed. Well, how do you do that? Well, then you basically buy this, con you have more content to put on there to get more people attracted to your one thing. So everyone goes to iTunes now to buy their shit, right? Their songs. And they only buy the songs that they want. Because remember, you had to buy CDs. I had to buy all this other shit on the CD. They had 15 songs, but I only like so two the of two them. two songs I wanted. There's only two songs I wanted. So then they started, so then people there in the music industry, or not the music, the fans, they started burning their shit onto Napster and LimeWire and stuff. And then people would go down and download the one song that they wanted or the three songs they wanted. They didn't want the 15. And that's kind of where the TV industry is at right now is that people want to just watch what they want to watch and they want to watch it live. And that's the other thing. Like people want to have that ability to be like, hey, I want to watch live sports live i don't want to watch it on tape delay and if and if my ass wants to set my alarm for four in the morning to watch it then that's what i want to do because i like to have the freedom to t open up my app and be like hey it's on right now at 3 34 in the morning five in the morning i can watch it live i don't want to scroll through instagram and twitter and see the results and be like shit fight's already finished got knocked out or oh i got a submission in the first round i don't want to see that i want to see it live yeah. and if i miss it then it's on me it's not on you to control when i want to watch this so I look at them potentially doing a deal with them. And I think whoever does invest, there are several offers on the table.
Now, whether they like the offers or not, no one knows. I think that's still locked in a, in a nice little safe room and space between the executives. But it makes sense for an investment group to come in and say, hey, we want a percentage and they take a high percentage and then they go ahead and they join with uh, Paramount or CBS or Viacom or whatever and they say, hey, we have the platform to put you on. You tell us where you want to go and we've got the money to help it get it done and the connections, whatever they are. So that frees up. I guess at the end of the day, no one will know until the deal is done. No one really knew about the deal uh, with the UFC and Strike Force until right then. It was like, holy shit. We knew that there was there was fillers out I there. I knew. Yeah. But there was fillers out there. There was fillers yeah. out there and we knew that it was there was talk of it, but it didn't we didn't know it was gonna happen the way that it happened. And John like to go back to what John said, it, there is never a good situation for fighters when you lose promotions. Because management and fighters have, you're losing a stream of income. Uh, they need it. They need places to go that um, that can offer a high paying, uh, top level fighter. That's really what it comes down to. And and the other part is the promotions. The you know if we'll say the PFL, you know uh, does buy Bellator, we'll say they're never going to get all the fighters that they think they're going to get. Yeah, because everyone's contract is always different. This happens all the time with the WFA, mm. you know, and it had it. And you, everyone's contract is done differently because you have to appease different, you know, entities and everything. So, as a promotion, there's ones that hey, if you sell, mm -hmm. that person's free. They're free to go anywhere else. So, yeah, you don't get as the as the buyer. And the UFC had this happen with Pride. They had it happen with the WFA. You don't, you don't always get all the fighters that you think you're going to get because sometimes their contracts are in a position they don't have to go. Well, like my contract when they UFC bought Strikeforce, mine said that I could walk whenever I wanted. But I chose, I chose to take the fight with KJ Noons under their banner because it was still under Strikeforce. And I said, hey, and then I was coming up on my last fight. Um, Gilbert and I had fought. We fought after that. And I was free after that. Once they once they closed up Strike Force, and I was free, they just, just they they reached out and said, "Hey, we want to get your contract restructured because they knew that I could leave." So my contract said, like, if it was ever sold and it was owned by someone else, as long as it stayed Strike Force, then I would I could stay to finish you out my contract. Yeah, yeah that's right. but it it I was on my last fight after the Gilbert fight, and so they wanted to restructure, and we had learned that they were going to close it all down, and so we went back to the drawing board. They reached out to me and said, "Hey." Let's uh let's make a deal, and we did. We came to terms on a good one, and uh, I was happy with it. And uh, the rest is history. Last thing, so yeah, so this actually kind of ties in with the conversation mm -hmm. you're having right now. Um, John, you know, John was just talking about when you consolidate these promotions, you lose um the opportunity to have more places mm -hmm. to fight. Um, this question comes from uh, Change the Game on Twitter, who asked Josh, "Does the UFC need?" 700 plus fighters on the roster and 45 events a year is it actually better for fighters overall couldn't less be more and be more beneficial to the athletes and consumers i have more to add but i can't 140 characters <laughs> true. uh john you want to take it away because i mean i really i really took this question because i knew that you had a lot of input on this you and i have talked about this all the time it's you know and uh but i wanted you i wanted to touch base with you on this first I think Dave's right. This this leads right into what we were just talking about. When you're sitting there saying, does the UFC need 700 plus fighters? Yes, because yeah. they have to put out, you know, a certain amount of 
events every year to meet their contractual obligations to ESPN. Yeah. And so they need that because you got to figure when you have a fighter and you, you book them for a fight, sometimes they, they get hurt. They can't make the fight. There's all these things that happen. And so you've got to have enough to be able to come into another. And, and you can see that even now, with as many fighters as the UFC has, and which is 650 to 700 fighters, you're about right. Many times they're actually pulling people into the promotion to actually make a fight happen because they have somebody that they owe a fight to. And, and they can't find anybody that's on their roster that is willing to accept that fight. So you take a look and say, as the promotion, they're obligated to what their contract says for their you know, TV deal, and that's how they get paid. So, you know, of course, they're going to meet whatever that is, be it 42 to 45 events a year. To sit there and say that is it beneficial for fighters to have less than that? God, no. Mm -hmm. How do you think a fighter makes their money? Yeah. A fighter makes their money by fighting. It's called, you know, no matter if it's boxing or MMA, it's prize fighting. Mm -hmm. Bare knuckles, prize fighter. You're, a pri you're, you're fighting for a prize. That prize is that pay. And everybody's pay is different, and that's based upon all kinds of different, you know, you know, quantification qualifications in it. When you're taking a look at it, you know, but to sit there and say that less is going to be better for the athletes, not at all for the consumer. Well, if you're that person that that wants to watch everything, but I don't have the time to do it, and so I'm missing stuff, and that pisses me off. Sorry, yeah, you know that that's just the way that is, but. There are consumers out there that they'll consume everything they can get when it comes to the fight game. Yeah. And so it, the more is better for them and stuff. Can you get sometimes promotions that put on fights that don't interest you based upon the level of the fighters themselves, the, the, the fact that you don't know who they are or anything like that? Yeah, those can be out there, but no one makes you watch them either. But those are all an opportunity for that fighter to do two things, to get paid and make a living and to hopefully move themselves up to the next level so they can make even more. Yeah, I'm going to touch back on what Dave, what Dave or what John was saying is that, look, 700 plus fighters is a necessity. And the reason being is because you've got that many shows per year. That's one. The two is when I was, I tell this story all the time. I was doing a signing event and Joe Silva came by when I was signing autographs. And he's like, and we started talking and I'm like, hey, like it was just right in the middle of I, I got announced I was fighting Pettis for the Josh title. Josh was just telling Joseph, you're full of shit, you're bullshit, you're, you're not giving me the guys that I yeah. want to fight. I hate, You know what, I don't like you. I know, I was I was asking, was just about to announce that I was I was fighting Pettis for the title after Pettis had beat Benson. And uh, and it was like, hey, well, who, you know, who is going to, I wanted to fight Cerrone, you know, if, if, if Pettis wasn't going to, if I wasn't getting the Pettis fight. And he just shows me his phone. He's like, look, Josh, all the people in red, those are the ones that are injured. Those are all the ones in your division. He's like, I don't have anyone for you to fight. He's like, this is the, this is what I have to deal with. You think that everyone's available. They're not available. They either don't want to fight or they're hurt. He's like, so they're giving me some reason why they can't fight, which I have to believe them because there's reason, you know, there's no reason for me not to. So that, yes, you need 700 fighters because you're going to need at least 40 of them in each weight class. And then, you know, obviously you're, you're trying to build up the younger talent. Plus these are the 700 plus fighters. Also the ones on the, the ultimate fighter, the contender series, like all, this is all those fighters that you're talking about. And so, yes, they do need it for all the shows that they're putting on. Absolutely. 
Um, but what I, but what goes into this is the 45 events a year, whatever, however many events a year. Not only do you need that, you need that many fighters for that many events, but this is a smart move by the UFC. Whether you like the fights or not, they put them on to flood the market so you don't know anything else but them. That's smart on their part. Now, as they grow and they continue to get bigger worldwide, um, I could see them maybe dialing it back a little bit, but that's when they've already secured being the number one. They are the number one. They've secured it. But there's still people when I get on the plane and they're like, oh yeah, what do you do? I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I used to fight in a cage. I do sports stuff now, analyst stuff. And they're like, they're like, oh yeah, cage. Like I've heard of it, but what is it called again? I'm like, wait, you don't even know what the UFC is? They're like, no. They're like, what is it? Is that like a thing where you get, that's the cage thing? So it's still not out there. Like if, if someone says to you, I watch football, they either say American football or they say like soccer. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they can just differentiate between the two. When I'm traveling somewhere, if I'm going overseas, they're like, oh, American football, but they still know it. Almost everyone knows what American football is. I mean, you got 300 something million people that watch the Super Bowl. You know, it's like 290 million or some shit like that. Um, you know what I mean? So when you're talking about soccer, it's even beyond that, that watch soccer, that watch football soccer. Um, the UFC right now is still trying to establish themselves in the, the, the quick 30 years that they've been in business. They are the number one promotion right now. And I don't think anyone's going to deny that, but they're trying to still get themselves spread out worldwide, which they have done. But for the casual fans to know exactly who they are, not just people in LA and Hollywood, not just people in New York that are models and agents and, and the, and the work on the stock market. They want the world to know who everybody is and they want their world to know the UFC. So no, they need to keep doing their 45 fights a year. 45 events a year to keep those fighters busy, which is one thing. And two is to get the word out there. They still have countries that they haven't hit. Have they had a fight in South Africa? No. There's a huge promotion in South Africa. I don't know the name of it. John probably does. But they do. They yeah. sell out arenas, 15, 20,000 seat arenas almost every show. So I, why Why is the UFC not gone there? UCW. It's you all politics. KSW in yeah. KSW in Poland sells out it's, big time shows. It's it's there the it's the politics everywhere. of it all. People don't realize how difficult it is for the not just the UFC, Bellator, other promotions to go to another country and put on a show. The the governments want something, the state wants something. Yeah, you can't just do it. The government wants something, the state wants something, the venue wants something. They're getting milked from a bunch of different areas. You know, and and they've got to make you got to make it financially make sense. And so they need that 700 fighters. They need those 45 events a year. And the UFC is doing a great job of making sure that all those fighters are getting paid. And that's the one thing that I got to, I got to pat them all on the back for. And the same thing with Bellator is that there was, there was no, there was no um, employees let go during COVID. They kept everyone busy. They made sure that everyone could survive during that time. They didn't fire one employee. I know that, uh, I know that uh, Bellator didn't let one person go. They kept everyone during COVID and everyone made their money. They were able to make a living and that's, you got to, you got to pat yourself on the back. You've got to, you've got to clap your hands and applaud them for that because while companies were laying off, you know, thousands and thousands of people, you know, worldwide, nationwide for sure is uh, they kept their employees intact. And so it's, it's a good thing. I'm happy to say that I, I was part of this sport. I'm hard, I'm happy to say that I was part of all these organizations and that, the promotions did their job and their part to keep the fighters active, to keep them, you know, uh, keep their families fed 
and give themselves a earning wage. That that makes me happy. And so yes, it's good. I, I get John go back to what John was saying. It's never good when you lose a promotion. Never. Every time you lose a promotion, you're losing two, three hundred people that are basically out of a job. Because at the lowest level, like Bellator's got 300 fighters on their roster. If they were to wrap up, not all 300 of them are going. Maybe 100 of them would go. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I don't, it's never good when a promotion wraps up. All right, but hey, I want to thank you guys so much. Hit the subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button. But that thumbs up is really what does it for us. And the little bell there when we drop some extra content, you guys get the notifications that we dropped our show. Go to OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us over there. Submit your fan questions. We're going to do a fan question probably at the end of next week or this week. Probably throw some fan questions in there. So we only take our submitted questions from there. So only from the OnlyFans. OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. And uh, go in weighingandmerch.com. Pick up some of our uh, short sleeve shirts because the sun is coming out. Not here in California, but the sun is coming out. <laughs> the sun is coming out. So uh, pick it up at weighingandmerch.com. John, take us away. Hey, thanks for everyone for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you.